Hey everyone, episode 26, Good Life Housing Partners here in downtown Los Angeles at Good Life HQ, sitting here with David Fong on the brink of trying to close an industrial deal that through a, a freeze and all kinds of weather conditions in Dallas-Fort Worth, we are still trying to get it closed and, and hoping to do so shortly. Um, I, I think as I reflect on the first six, seven weeks of the year here, I really actually look forward, and I look forward in such a way where I don't think I've ever in life wanted to hit the fast forward button as bad as I do right now. I think there's all kinds of good things happening. There's most of uh, 2020 is, is slowly withering away, and we're starting to see a lot of positive, um, you know, green shoots and positive things happening overall. But as, as I look right now, things are just kind of stuck. Like you can't get vaccines fast enough. People got COVID, but it's not that bad anymore. But there's still like subconscious ways of people thinking about how they have COVID and it's affecting their behaviors, whether it be going out to dinner or whether they can't even go out to dinner. And so you have a lot of like the 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 pulls of 2020 and the uh, the bad things of 2020 still carrying with us into 2021. And I think as we get into spring and summer, you'll see a lot of that start to fade and fall off. And so I think. For, for my vantage point here on February 22nd, I really would like to fast forward to somewhere around April 22nd or May 22nd and just like press the button to be there. Yeah. David? You know, I agree. I, I want to hit that fast forward button quickly also. I mean, 2021, as you mentioned, is really, you know, it's unusual. Like you said, we, we had a deal that we thought was just almost done. And, and then you have a snowstorm and... I guess now snows, the new normals is snowstorms, heavy snowstorms where you can have electricity grid failures or, you know, in wow. places like One this. One power or, grid. Or, or sort of a new normal. <laughs> One power that, grid. That we never expected. The great Texas power the grid. The great Texas power grid, which, which is what impacted our, our, our uh, closing. We, just to, not to digress, you know, we had documents signed and, you know, you know it kind of went to Texas and then bounced back to Memphis and then got back to Texas and just uh this power shortage just drew everyone for a loop. Um, we didn't expect it. So I do want to hit that fast forward button quickly. And then like you said, also with the vaccines, there's not enough vaccines, although a fair amount of people have been getting vaccines. So there's definitely progress in green shoots. And then you look at the hospitalization rates and COVID, it's, it's, it's significantly down. I think it's been a lot lower from what the high points we've had in November. And so that's definitely something to be um, happy about. And just even traveling, I traveled last week Fortunately, not to Texas, Yay, but, I, but I traveled to Las Vegas and Phoenix, and my flights were very full, number one, but number two is interesting environments because those are states also where, you know, restaurants are fully open, mm -hmm. and so while there is still kind of lingering COVID concerns because we're, we're still wearing masks when we walk into the restaurant, but take them off once we sit down at our tables that are socially distanced from other tables, but, you know, there is a semblance of a normalcy, and, and you know, I was excited, and I'm sure, I don't know maybe how the other people felt, but I was excited and thought it was fun to, to kind of, you know, go, go back to normal living. And so, uh, you know, I, I can't wait for the day, as you said, fast forward to, actually, I'd fast forward to the summer. Because yeah. then I, I'm pretty confident, hopefully, things, things will be much better. And then on the student housing side, you know, you had some, we, we had a major school development here in Los Angeles, USC, announced on Friday that they plan to be open in the fall. 
And so, you know, I'd love to fast forward to that day when, when, when college campuses are fully back to normal. And I think other campuses are going to continue to fo follow in the footsteps of USC and say that they'll be open. So I'm excited to, you know, like I, I think, you know, it, what do we call it? We called it the year of the vaccine. And, and, yeah. and, and now I think it's, it's also the year yeah, of the, the hope. And in some ways, it's, it's, it's a, a year of new hope. I don't know, is that a Star Wars movie? But it, anyway, I think, you know, we, I think, and people, I think, want to get back to normal, too. It's, it's interesting when I got back to L.A., too. See, I don't, I don't know that, actually. I don't, I don't fully think people, I think people, there is a whole, there's a, Portion of people that really want to get back to normal. I'm very, I'm in, I'm in the front of that crowd. But there, there's actually, I think, a lot of things that have subconsciously changed a lot of how people actually behave. And it's, I don't know if there's like a real, like we talked about the light switch last week. But I think it's like, like it's like when you bend something and you're trying to unbend it. And I, and I like think for some people, maybe for like me, it's like, you know, it's kind of rubber band. I'll bounce right back. But I think for a lot of people, it's really hard to bounce back. And I think you're starting to see some real, you're starting to slowly see it, where like there's, there's quadrants of people that are like, I'm totally back. And then there's people that have like, their behavior is really shifted. And I don't know when it's coming back. But I, but I think just at least on the government level, like, you know, I don't care about well, the government. You can talk you know, now that when we came back, I mean, one of the things that, that struck me was I heard all this discussion about Newsom, Governor Newsom in our state. Oh, I signed that. I signed that, by the way. I signed that. I signed that. I signed <laughs> the recall. But, I signed the recall. But uh, notwithstanding recall, I also heard he, he had some kind of deal reached about how they're planning to open up the schools and, and CDC and then coming all these plans to have elementary schools opened up in the next few months. But as you mentioned, there are also, uh, to my surprise, I, I, I heard about all these groups. There was a protest this weekend. Um, where people were protesting opening the schools too early. And I thought it was actually a good thing that we would start opening the schools. And so... Where was the know, protest? Here in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they, there were some communities that were claiming that there's at least the underfunded communities in some inner cities weren't ready uh, to, be, to be open. They felt there weren't enough protections in place uh, for, for the I, teachers you, and for I, the kids. I think to some degree, like I am seeing this, not younger, but like this population that probably doesn't have a lot of risk to it, but that definitely got like the, this something scared so far out of them that are finally starting to either accept that this virus is sort of here to stay or whatever it is. Because like there's like a, one family of ours, really good friends of ours, like we literally haven't seen them since like March. Oh, and, like wow. now That's we've awesome. seen them a few times, they come to the park. You know, they're masked up, shielded up. They, you know, they look like you on a plane. But, uh, but you know, they, they, they're starting to slowly, you know, get out there a little bit. I was like, wow, look at that. I mean, and I have no mask on, so that's, that's perfect. But uh, Yeah, but even I, I'm getting more optimistic. Like, I, I, know, I, 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 know. I, I doubled up on the mask, and I was, I was feeling like it was a little too hot on the plane with two masks this time. <laughs> and so I started thinking, you know what? I think I just got to hour-long flight. Huh? No, hour-long <laughs> flight. And just, no, and then two hours of waiting at the airport. And so I felt, you know, maybe I should just go one mask. And, and, and in contrast, it's funny, I have a friend who you know very well and i was talking to him he's much more conservative than i am he's an yes, accountant he he's an accountant of all this is not the stereotype 
and I was telling him about it, and and I asked him when do you think you're gonna fly, and then he he told me he you know he's thinking about doing it, but but he actually thought he should get the face shield. He wanted to add an extra yeah. layer, and I told yeah. him no, you know, you know I don't think I think the two masks is overblown. He said no, but it, but you gotta you know what if particles get into your eyes? <laughs> so I was like, hmm, hadn't thought about the eye, the eye attack, <laughs> and so. Oh my God. But see, I think I think you're starting to see like these like, and, and you you know what you're also starting to see you're starting to actually see. At least for some people, I think the the other effect that's happening is like you're starting to see people that you know open space maybe they don't have a mask on they're feeling a little more confident about you know walking, maybe you know within like six seven feet of somebody whereas they were like hiding in their garage before that so you're starting to see that effect start to happen and then you're starting to actually see what we talked about a few episodes ago. Like the Super Bowl. Yeah. Super Bowl could have been a super spreader event, but it wasn't. Yeah. So you're starting to see like these little examples that will slowly enter your subconscious and will actually like get you to a dinner or get you to an event or get you to like something, right? And so, but that, that isn't, I'm realizing now like that's not even, it's not, definitely not a light switch, but that bend back, like where people get back to normal, is really different for, for everybody. Well, the air, you know, the other interesting about the airplane, and I have to digress too much about my trip, was it's interesting when you're waiting for your airplane, everyone's trying to, I noticed, even though it was a little crowded at some of the airports I went to, people were trying to maintain the six feet away from each other, not to kind of be, be so close. But one thing I noticed that's interesting was once you line, and then when you line up, I, I flew Southwest, so they got this system where you have to line up in a yeah, certain order. Yeah, they got order. the herding. And people, you're treated like a cow. And yes. people herded us, but, but we, we kept six feet apart. But the minute... We passed, you know, You're we, in the we, we yeah. had that little bridge, and we yeah, passed, and we, we, yeah. we scanned our ticket. I noticed, like, people were, like, on each other. Yeah. I was like, yeah. and, and yeah. it was just, you know, wow, you know, well, just crossing that happened, divide of the scanner somehow changed the, other the thing rules. That's happened, I'm sure so, you saw this in Vegas. I don't know if you noticed it, but what you have is you have that, that effect definitely happens at the, at the terminal, at the gate. And then when you get in the jet bridge, everyone collides into each other. Yeah, and everyone, everyone thinks they'll get, they'll get to their destination faster. Well, they just all want to get to their seat because they've created this herd system. But but the other thing that happens, especially in a place like Vegas, is you have people that just have not traveled much. And so you have this effect where, like, this person is definitely, like, this is their first or second time on an airplane, and they don't know some of the protocols, some of, like, the courtesies that the you said. The courtesies that yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, there's certain things that you're supposed to do. But they have no idea, like, because they just is, like, their second flight ever. And so... You know, they want to go to Vegas, or they're leaving Vegas, and go, who knows what condition they are if they're leaving. And they just don't understand, like, you know, you can't take up the aisle that long. You want to kind of sit to your seat and then take your bag up or whatever. And, you know, it's, so it's, a, it's definitely, you know, a, a mess of yeah. some of these airlines. And, and, and Vegas also another example that, you know, they're, they're loosening up their restrictions. Yeah. Like the casinos were, were now, uh, they increased to, to 20, I think from 25, they went to 50% capacity limits. And then a couple of casinos now have gone back to full 24-hour schedules. So, so it's starting to, you know, resemble more normal Vegas. Yeah. And that's what you need in a town like Vegas. And a lot of these places, you just need more, like, normalcy hidden back for, for businesses or retail and that really kind of, that multiplier effect starts to actually start happening where, you know, you, somebody, the guy takes you from the airport and, and then that tip goes to somebody else and you get that effect finally happening. So it's good that these businesses and, and cities are starting to open. Yeah, hotels um, were still, I stayed at a hotel this time and the hotel wasn't that crowded. There were people there, but it wasn't. Gaming was, hotel? Gaming hotel, yes, on the strip. So it wasn't as crowded. Um, and then I did, uh, when I took a couple of Ubers around, there was... Uh, 
There were people on the strip, not as crowded though, but there were still some people out. Not a normal. Not a normal, like at 11 p.m. at night, normally it would be packed. You would have packed streets. It was was kind of quiet. Interesting, interesting. Well, I think, you know, one of the things we've gotten just like that's been on our minds this past week is kind of how the storms have affected our Dallas portfolio. And I think for the most part, we're still early in this, but we've we've kind of weathered okay. I mean, we I think generally, you know, we definitely have some tenants that lost power, definitely had some pipes break, but nothing as of yet that is severe. And I think we're... Yeah, nothing catastrophic or major, yeah. Yeah, but nothing catastrophic, nothing, everything's sort of okay. Yeah, and in two of our buildings, I think we haven't had any problems. Yeah, so, two so that was clean. That was that was good. So I think the older buildings are where, because you have older pipes and the freezing and everything, you, it's inevitable you have some pipe pipe breaking. And well, so actually, we have lot, some. I think a lot of the pipe breaking was like where we had washer and dryers outside the unit, and that piping leading to those washer and dryers, because those froze and then those froze and then expand. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like you should run your washer and dryer when you have this freezing happen, so that the water keeps moving. But, um, well, I think we're going to keep it short today. I don't have any more discussion points. Oh, we have a question. Okay, so today we have Tim from Miami. What is the single biggest investing risk for GLHP in 2021? Uh, so, I, I, I mean, I think about that a lot. And, I mean, there's all sorts of risks that I think we, we have when you're buying real estate, and especially real estate that's operationally intensive, like multifamily or multi-tenant industrial or student housing, which is our, our main three focuses. But um, I, I think overall, like, you know, there's definitely, I, I mean, sort of answer this two ways. One, the biggest uh, challenge we have is probably just finding new deals. Like, that's going to be our biggest challenge. Now, the biggest risk to all of this that's overriding, to me at least, is interest rates, which I don't think, unless something dramatic happens, really don't change for at least this year, probably next year, and it really sounds like a 2023 story. But if something were to change those interest rates and they were to suddenly go up, it affects, we don't have a lot of assets that have floating rate debt on them, but we do have a couple where that, I think we'd still be okay if the interest rate was, interest rate hike was nominal, but if it got extreme, then we might have some issues. And I think on the other side, where we are selling assets and we know people are taking floating rate debt, suddenly those become more challenging. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I, I do think definitely finding deals will get more challenging as 2021 progresses, just because I think there's a lot of pent-up capital out there, as we talked about on prior podcasts, and that money is just aggressively looking for opportunities. And as, as we thaw, slowly thaw out, you know, and, and these green shoots develop into you know, plants, you know, and, you know, people start traveling more, can do due diligence better. It, I, I think, you know, everyone will be hunting for deals. And so it'll definitely get much more competitive and pricing will, will go up. Um, in terms of risks, potential risks that I see that, that, I, that would keep me up at night, um, interest rates would be one, but I would also be concerned about unemployment and my, my concern on unemployment and just overall economic growth in, in the U.S., it, you know, with all the job losses that we've had. Um, and, and that's why I'm a big proponent of stimulus. And, and I think we will have a new stimulus package, be it $1.9 trillion or $1.7 trillion, whatever it's going to be. I definitely think uh, that will help. And so I'm a big fan of that type of stimulus. And I, 
I'm optimistic that that stimulus and also some of the provisions they have in there for rental assistance will 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 come to, and I think those will come to fruition. So I think that will help us weather this um, pandemic finally. Yeah, but I think like if I'm looking, if I'm thinking risk wise, I really, you know, what those are sort of short term like unemployment. I don't expect that to go on forever. And I think even stimulus, that's a short-term solution. But when I look at, like, overall, if, if Brother Tim here is going to invest for five, ten years, and this interest rate environment changes, and he were to put floating rate debt on something he's investing in, or we put floating rate debt, I think that's where things really change. And and, and that's where we've got to, like, as, as people that are managing capital, managing real estate, where we've got to be really methodical. And, and in some ways... I think it's, it really speaks to, like, we've actually got to be a little bit more conservative sometimes about not taking that floating rate debt because it is generally going to be very attractive, yeah. and it pushes our yields, and it, we're able to provide even better returns. So it, it, it takes a lot of, like, it actually takes a little bit of, um, you know, I guess, holding back. Yeah, yeah that, that, that floating rate debt obviously allows you to get more leverage which helps juice your returns, but on the risk side of it, as you, as you mentioned, if rates go too high, you know, like, you know, you have to be careful on your cash flow because it'll really start in, yeah. e eating into it. Um, I think, you know, we definitely have to take a prudent approach to yeah. it and, and, and also to uh, also hedge our risk too. And that's why I think sometimes we'll, we'll, to the extent we do have floating debt, we buy interest rate caps all the time. And I think buying them at lower strike rates to, to protect for some of that downside is, is the prudent thing to do. Yeah, that's a good point. And the, the, we are, any floating rate debt we have, we have an interest rate cap that's, that still keeps it where we can um, continue to hold on to the asset. We're well within what we've modeled yeah. and we're not you know, suddenly in, a, in a, an environment where, or in a deal where, we're, uh, where the debt is sort of quote-unquote killing us. Yeah. So that's, I yeah. think it's important. Um, all right, numbers of the week. Okay, so I'll go first. So uh, interesting number I found was 70,000, hmm. which is the number of people in 2020 who, who moved from California to other, other states, cities such as Phoenix, Las Vegas, Idaho, and Utah. Those were the top destinations for ex-California people. And I think it all goes back to what we've talked about, sort of the high taxes in California and the high regulation and, and because of the heavy regulation, all the sort of bureaucratic paperwork uh, that a lot of companies and, uh, and businesses have here in California. So a lot of jobs have migrated, especially to areas actually where we invest in, like in Texas, um, you know, Dallas in particular, is, which is the number one uh, real estate market, uh, commercial real estate market, especially multifamily uh, for 2020. Uh, Austin, which is interesting also, was the number one uh, location that professionals have relocated to for, during a period from April to October, according to LinkedIn's latest survey. Um, and then you also can see big companies that were always typically associated with California, like Oracle and HP, and they've, they've now all relocated to Texas. So my, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's roughly 200 people a day yeah. in California. That are just moving out. It used to be kind of the other way around. The other way around, yeah. Everyone's coming <laughs> to know, the coast, coming to California, yeah. and you know, I think, yeah, I mean, especially Los Angeles was always a big attractor, net attractor, and San Francisco too. So it's, it's kind of sad to see uh, that going the other way, but it, it's not without good reason. Yeah. Well, uh, that and affordability, because it's really affordability. affordability it's an the affordability rents, and job story. Yeah, yeah, the rents also are a big deterring factor. Yeah. What's your yeah. number for the week? So my number is. Uh, actually 
842,000, which is the number of existing homes that were sold in the U.S. in 2020, which is the highest since 2006. And, and we sort of talked about this last week, but the, what we're seeing in, in the U.S. in general, maybe this is a worldwide phenomenon, but I, you know, I follow it, I track the U.S., so, is that the home buying culture and specifically, you know, everything around the home has become, has just like boomed. After like many decades, many years really since the last recession, where, you know, from 2006, 7, 8, where there was a lot of home buying and then you had the great recession happen. And then for a long time, younger people, or even most people, were just like, I'm going to rent her. And, and I, I think there's still a lot of that. I think the pandemic has probably hidden some of those folks. Mm -hmm. But I think you're seeing this other, like, massive cohort of people that want to just buy homes and want to buy them because they can now work from home, interest rates are super low, they don't need to, you know, necessarily live in urban environments, they're willing to live in more suburban or even further out environments or in completely different states, like pointing to your number. And so you've just seen this massive trend of, of home buying in this country last year. And then when you fast forward to this year, and we look at February, home inventory is literally half of what it was a year ago. So if you want to buy a home now, it is actually like, if you just think of it that way, it's actually twice as difficult. And I would even go to one step further. We were talking a little bit before the podcast. I think the single most challenging thing in this country for normal people is not getting the starter home. The starter home is really challenging because you're doing all these things if you're not in our industry and you're not accustomed to taking out loans and things of that nature. It's like you're signing all these papers and it's this whole thing you've got to do that you've never had to do before and it's for an amount of money that you probably have never taken out a loan before. And all these are really, you know, kind of shocked to your system about what you're doing. But once you do it, you've now gotten your starter home. And I, I think one of the interesting things that's happened is that for most people going from that starter home to their second home is like the most challenging thing to do. It is like the hardest thing to do today. Because there's no like second home environment, especially in coastal cities. Because in coastal cities, unlike Dallas and some of these places you mentioned, where there's still massive home development happening because they have land, these coastal cities, there's no land here. So the, what happens is you're really just like, there's a spec home down the street over there, there's a spec home over there, there's a spec home over there. And those are like, you know, build cost plus $300 or $400. That's, you know, what they're selling for. Or you're buying something and then you need a bunch of renovation dollars to make it. And so you, you have this thing happening where, like, buying that second home, buying that, that trade-up home is, like, the most challenging thing in these coastal markets. Well, I think also in coastal markets, number one, because of all that, the pricing is so high. Super The high. affordability is so difficult. And then also the development is so difficult. Development yeah. regulations is hard to build, you know, like you said, in, in, well, it's in hard Texas. To you, can't, you can't build big swaths of land. <coughs> you can't find land to build all these big developments. And if you do find them, it's going to be very expensive to build because yeah. all the regulations in California. Well, you just can't find them. So that I mean, that's that, yeah. that thing. I mean, if you're, if you're doing master plan communities, it's going to be like Whittier yeah. on East. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also led to, that's why you also see one other interesting statistic I saw was that the you know lumber last week hit a, hit an all time high yeah. in in, in uh, forty years and so it's and I think it's because people are just doing their own home improvement they're not going to that second home yeah. they can't afford it and they're just deciding to upgrade their existing home yeah and I, I mean that's, that that's what continue. it is that's why we talked about last week that was my number is that retail is up six point eight percent is yeah. that that is 
that number is based on groceries, mm -hmm. but it's really spurred by home improvement. Yeah. I mean, yeah, home improvement, restoration hardware, it is all about the home. Like those people, people are taking their money, their stimulus, their savings, or whatever, and they're saying, I'm going to redo my home office. I'm going to create a home office. Yeah. I'm going to build a home something office. Something in my backyard. I'm going to build a home office. I'm going to build a, you know, a bigger master, whatever they're doing. But that, that is a trend that I, I think, even when we get back to some level of normalcy, might not change until you have either some real interest rate movement or people are just summoned back to offices yeah, or something. Or, I don't know. Well, and wage growth, I guess. Or wage growth. growth. Or, or I don't know. I mean, I think growth. that one's so hard to figure out. Yeah. And I, I think... I think you could see a world where things get back to normal and you start getting through some of the problems that the pandemic has caused and you, you will start to hear this, this home affordability become a bigger thing again. Yeah. Because I think there'll be a yeah. Right now, it's work. probably drowned out by all the COVID. It's totally drowned out, but I think but, to but your point, yeah. you're, you're going to start there. hearing that back again. It's, it's coming back once, once things get normalized. All right, folks, uh, that's us for this week. Looking forward to chatting next week. I'm in Dallas. Uh, looking forward to seeing what, what is going on there. Hopefully normal. <laughs> Hopefully people are not suffering. And, we, we can, and, we and mostly, there's electricity for you. And there's electricity in my hotel room. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. David, any last words? Parting shots? Just uh, be safe, everyone. Thank you.